You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40. We are back in business uh, the second week in a row. It's unbelievable, I'm sure, that uh, you feel that way. And uh, the gang is all back. We got plenty to talk about. Is uh, We had our Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley handoff show, and that is behind us. And uh, boy, I, I got to thank everybody out there for uh, downloading that podcast. That was uh, our most listened to podcast ever. Uh, got us into, I think even the podcast itself was just in the top 10 in iTunes uh, at one point. So uh, it was a, a great podcast. Glad everybody could listen, but we're back again. And now we've got another week under our belt, under the Leakin Riley uh, era. Uh, we're welcoming, we want to welcome in Josh McQuistian, who has uh, been out running around talking to some recruits this week. And uh, continuing that is, uh, it has just been pretty much a whirlwind week, Josh, with guys coming in left and right to OU. Well, to kind of touch on what you already hit on, uh, I think it's amazing how much run Lincoln Riley is getting because, you know, we used to always hear about, oh, this guy visited a week ago. Now you're hearing about this stuff in real time, and it's clear that Oklahoma is making an effort to make these trips a bigger deal. And uh, Eddie Radosevich is here with us as well. Hello. He uh, had the pleasure of meeting uh, Patty Gasso face to face this week and talking natties for patties. Yeah, I did. I wish we would have. Uh, I wish I would have had a couple long necks with me. You think she would have partaken? Uh, maybe. Did you get the sense that that maybe she wasn't as embarrassed as she let on, like at her uh, at her uh, national championship celebration? No, she was real cool about it. So I I thought it was uh, pretty awesome. I was I was probably the most nervous out of anybody. Should we tear down the fourth wall and tell everybody what you were sent? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, she, they sent me a, uh, signed visor. I was hoping that it was game worn, but I don't know, uh, if it was or not, but Just give it a smell test. Uh, it looked pretty new. In fact, I think it had a tag on it, but, uh, they sent me a, uh, a visor with, uh, with, uh, Patty Gasso's autograph on it. I, I, th- I think that's the only, uh, coaching autograph that I have from, uh, from Norman. I think I have a Stoops 2000 Nash, uh, national championship program. For the, but that's only because back in those days, like Bob was a lot different. Like he wasn't making as much money. So if you gave him ten grand to sign like five thousand uh, game programs, he would do it. I wonder with the uh, new uh, contract if Lincoln Riley would sign anything. Probably doesn't need to anymore. Mm. He might though. I don't know. He's probably he's probably young enough. Hadn't been making money in long enough to where he'd probably do something like that. I think on my next meeting with. Uh, Patty Gasso, we will uh, start the planning of our takedown of Sherry Cole, so we can transfer the uh, her now contract. Now hold on, 
You're not saying that Patty Gasso is behind taking down Sherry. No, Cohen. no, no, no. I'm saying You're not speaking I, for her. No, I'm I'm saying <laughs> I'm going to propose it to her because she should have Sherry Cole's contract, and we could just make that quick little flip. Maybe we'll propose it at the next Board of Regents meeting. I didn't go this week, this time. You're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough leeway yet. Clay Bennett will kick you out of... We're fraternity all, brothers. I know, but he will kick you out. Been to his house. I've been to the guy's house. We had a rush event there. I was around one time at a basketball game. Well, Eddie was sitting around and Clay Bennett was walking. He's very stoic. You usually don't see him just talk to anybody. But he stopped and uh, shook young Radosevich's hand and said hello. Event. I made a good impression. Eddie's losing. Hey, Bennett actually spoke, like said public words at the Regents meeting on Tuesday. Which that was, was kind of strange. I was waiting for somebody to unhook the battery after he was done. <laughs> that, that's probably the first time that he's, uh, he's spoken. I think a while. he actually made kind of a joke, too, didn't he? Well, because uh, jokes at the Regents meeting are not like regular jokes. Well, that, well, the other deal is like it, we were. I, I remember joking with some guys at the May Regents meeting. Now he's the president of the Board of Regents, so he actually has to speak at these things, which means he's like spoken more about OU than he has about the Thunder in the last probably three years publicly at these Regents meetings. But it's still. I mean, he's not talking like David Bourne or anything, or like when we talked to Castiglione for a half an hour after that Regents meeting Tuesday, but. He at least has to say some things now. All right. Well, first thing I want to get into today uh, is uh, what's going on with Will Sunderland, and it does not look good. Uh, doesn't look good at all. Uh, it was Monday. OU came out with a statement saying he was suspended indefinitely without really any details, and then obviously the smartest of us went and looked at the court docket system. And found out that uh, he had been charged with concealing uh, stolen property. And uh, the next day, everybody got to the, you know, the courthouse in Oklahoma. And it was Oklahoma City Police Department that had charged him with it. Everybody got to the courthouse and realized, looked at the affidavit, which is the police report, uh, and found out it had to do with selling uh, gaming systems to uh, an electronics store in Oklahoma City and selling stolen gaming systems. And... Immediately, it kind of it, it was that kind of thing where people were like, "Oh, you know, he's a good kid. There's no way he could have done this." When the truth comes out, uh, it's going to be okay. The whole time, I was thinking, I'd like to believe that, and I even wrote, you know, kind of a column about that. Uh, but at the same time, you did wonder, okay, is there another shoe to drop? Because mm-hmm. if this happened in Headington, uh, Headington Hall, where they live. And he was part of stealing these gaming systems or other things, which it looks like it's more than just gaming systems after today. You thought, well, that's a high-tech place. Like, they've got cards. They've got... The first thing I thought of is when we got that first tour, it's like everybody has to check in all the time. Like, there's that front desk, and you have cards that, that track everywhere you go. And I just thought, there's another shoe to drop here, and it's not going to be hard to figure out. And so then today... Or last night, I'm driving uh, back. I went up to OU to kind of take some pictures for some stories Shin and I have been working on about facilities and, you know, the the new renovations. And so I was driving back, and then I saw it on Twitter. I think it was uh, the Norman Transcript. Uh, their guy had found out that uh, Cleveland County had filed felony charges against uh, Sunderland for second-degree robbery. Or burglary, and then you know you thought oh, this is uh, 
this is going to be bad. Like, and everybody kind of jumps to that conclusion, like, you know, he's guilty. He's obviously, you know, what's he done? He's out of here. But then you start to hear the details this morning. They have him on video that he, he, you know, his key card matches up. They saw him taking bags of stuff to his car. And Josh, I'll let you start. It's just, I know you dealt with him a lot. We all dealt. It was, he's kind of one of those recruits where we all kind of dealt with him. I think he liked dealing with him because he was so nice. And every time you would go see him, you could tell how much he appreciated it. He, you know, he loved it when we took photos of him. He'd make him his avatar. Uh, but just floored Josh by the fact that this has happened with Will Sunderland. You know, and you were talking, Carrie, about how, you know, you immediately kind of went into defensive mode. And I know as a reporter, you're not supposed to do that. But I felt that way about Will. Like, if there's any guy. No, not any guy, but I mean, he would be on a very short list of guys on that roster that I would say, I can trust him to make good decisions. He's a good kid. He's not going to do stupid stuff and put the school in a bad spot. But now, God, how do you even argue against it? I mean, it, it looks awful, but I mean, I, I, I am. I am completely stunned, one of the nicest, best, most respectful kids I ever dealt with. And for those that don't know, you know, I, I know his dad got some acclaim on the board, uh, for some of his tweets on, I guess that was maybe Tuesday night, Monday night, something like that. His dad is a Oklahoma County Sheriff. Like, yeah. th- th- I mean, this is not a, a kid that's unfamiliar with things. Now, I will say I've always felt Will was kind of isolated and a little naive. You know, he, he wasn't, you know, and I, I don't want that to sound like a negative for Will, but he just was. Like, he, w- he would say and do things that made you think, okay, he's not, as as aware as some other kids I deal with and so I guess that was my first reaction this this kid didn't think about what he was doing he, he's gotten to a bad situation but now that we've got this video evidence and all this other stuff it I I don't even know what to make of it that that doesn't re- resemble the kid I knew at all I remember we, we were out it was after a press conference or something and we were sitting out there kind of by the the Billy Sims statue or something and, and just sitting there and you know, they, this was when they're going through all the renovations. So everything was shut down, but Will comes walking by and he sees me and he just comes walking up with a smile. And this was right after Hatari bird got kicked off the team. And I was like, and you know, he was, he was in the defensive backfield. So was, was, was uh, will. And so he comes up and he's smiling and he just says hello and shakes my hand and, um, you know, we just start talking and I think I said, I said, uh, wow, Atari bird, man, that's crazy. And he was like shaking his head like, man, he's like, yeah, he said, I guess we kind of saw that coming though. Like, cause he got kicked off the team for, I think a failing drug test and stuff, mm-hmm. but, but he just seemed like, you know, he was so nice and personable and he was like, he seemed like, yeah, that guy really screwed up, you know? Uh, but he's kind of a knucklehead. So that's just, he was just. I just can't believe that's the same guy that was stealing stuff from other people in Headington Hall. On camera, too. That's the part I just can't get over. And here's the thing. whether like it gets, Inside Headington, where there's plenty of cameras. Whether it gets pleaded down to a misdemeanor or not, I mean, that's kind of like the golden rule. Like, I was telling this story on, on the radio this morning. When I was in school playing baseball as a freshman, the star quarterback that won a national championship, was he got caught stealing from other people other athletes in the dorms and once the football coach found out he put his ass on a bus back to Cincinnati like that and like 
he had offers. I mean, he had signed with Ohio State out of high school. Oklahoma State was really chasing after him. His guy's name was Johnny Mattress. And, uh, I mean, Probably but that's been, mattresses now. that's been the standard forever, that if you steal from other people on campus, you can't be on campus anymore. And, you know, I think the narrative on probably Monday was, well, this is Lincoln Riley's first chance to show what he's going to do discipline-wise. Now Lincoln Riley doesn't have it. As long as it's a felony, this is this is there's no decision for Lincoln Riley to make. It's yeah, made, he can't it's even be in school anymore. Yeah, so that's that's how quickly it escalated. Now the other deals I mentioned on Monday, they knew he was going to get charged with a felony at, at some point this week. That's that's the thing too is like talk about putting your new head coach into the worst possible situation. Well, and just being, I mean, I, I think everybody knew after the Baker Mayfield thing happened, like we can't be screwing like. What were you living under a rock for the last three years watching this Joe Mixon stuff happen? I mean, yeah. watching well, how much scrutiny the program the was under. David, he did it oh, right around the same time Mayfield did his deal. I mean, maybe, I mean, it happened. Yeah, because it was like March in 15th, March. I think, yeah. was, the, uh, was the day he sold it or whatever. So, I'm, but I'm just talking about the Mixon stuff. I mean, yeah. You knew this program couldn't handle it and that anybody that screwed up, and I, I would have to think Bob Stoops made it clear, like, you guys are on a very short leash if you screw yeah. up around here. That's why it's just so shocking, all of it. And everything that you and Josh have said, too, is like you think you kind of get to know a kid when you we interviewed him quite a bit. We were up at Midwest City quite a bit. And just he definitely was one of the guys that you would not. And he have comes expected. from such a good family. Yeah. Dad that was in the military, you know, now he's with Oklahoma sheriffs. I mean,. So bizarre. But that's the other deal when we talk about guys, guys who gets gets get dismissed. Usually there's a plethora of stuff that yeah. goes on before there's a final straw. It doesn't sound like with Sunderland there's there's been a bunch of stuff, but he's just done one thing that you can't you can't overlook. It it's one of those things that makes you wonder is he one of these guys that like had you know, you have like a gambling addiction, addiction you have alcohol addiction, like spending money like becomes like when you get out on your own uh, i mean i think back to that kid from duncan you know the alan ruby kid that was just spending money uncontrollably ended up killing his family like thinking he was going to get their inheritance money because he just spent so much damn money is, is this kind of not a you know with will i'm not saying he would ever kill anybody but is this one of those deals because i mean you do have the cost of attendance thing now i mean mm -hmm. it's not like it's you're not, not like you're hurting for money if yeah. you're a football player, especially at Oklahoma. Well, and especially when you consider everything that, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will bitch and complain that, you know, they don't get enough money and stuff like that, which there's probably a point to that. But, you know, you're, you're, you don't need money that bad, I wouldn't think. Well, no, I mean, you, you can't you can't pull the I'm the starving college student. Right. Because every time we go into interview, there's food set out <laughs> for them. Yeah. And it's it's yeah, not like that. You can literally fill up a bag of food and go back to wherever you live. They do not care. So I mean, it's not. They probably throw away fifty peanut butter and jelly sandwiches a day. Yeah, and God knows That's how much point. of that fresh fruit rots. Oh God. B twelve shots at Eddie steals. Yes. Those they got uh, caught stealing. Speaking of thieves, I know. And I told, uh, I, listen here, Kai's might have to get out of there. I might have to tell my buddies to take it out. You stop it. I'm just Bob kidding. one time told us that you know, offered wait. a B12 shot like seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I took him up on it and for the Eddie, last seven years. Yes, and Eddie <laughs> decided that it was a lifetime offer. I felt and then so when, much better, Did Bob too. say it wasn't? 
Uh, can we? Are we? Well, here's the that thing that this... Eddie has to realize: is people change. Like when Bob made that offer, like people that were in charge then they weren't there. So Eddie's just, just walking around with B12 shots, and somebody's finally like, "Hey, that's not right. You can't just take those." And I said, "Okay, I'll just take it when you're not looking next time." You did say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just shocking, though. I, I, you know, it, and we haven't even talked about the the football ramifications of this. I, I think that not only did Will Sunderland have a pretty good spring, he put himself in a position to start, and now Oklahoma doesn't have a starting safety. What a month and a half before the season starts. Yeah, Khalil Houghton better get on it. Yeah, because I know or... people have thrown out Will Johnson's name, but Will Johnson can't even stay unconcussed for more than one game in a row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't even know for sure if Will Johnson's going to play this year. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I threw it out there. I I think you might as well just give somebody like Parnell Motley a shot. And Chad Sylvie, I, th- I think, are your two guys that yeah. they're going to look at. But I mean, the other deal is Johnson compared to Ahmad Thomas. I mean, that was a serious game change, and now you had a center fielder type safety, which OU hasn't had a lot of. If you go to Khalil Houghton, he's a lot more in the Ahmad Thomas mode. Yeah, he is. So I mean, that's a that's a completely different deal for that defense. I'm trying to think, Josh. Is there anybody coming in this class that you think could have a legitimate shot of of being a free safety for him? Well, to me, the most obvious guy, but it's kind of like what you guys are talking about. Robert Barnes is the most talented guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the one that jumps out at you, but kind of like we talked about, and I don't want to – I think everyone knows how tough I was on Ahmad Thomas, so I don't want to paint Robert with that brush, but kind of like what you guys are talking about. He's more in that mold. He's going to be better coming up. He can play some center field. He played receiver for Carroll. I mean, he's a, he's a guy with some ball skills, but he's more natural coming forward than he is dropping back, was to where Will was always very natural playing center field, like John said. I think people have had a pretty good point. Like, and it's it's one of those things. It's hard to to realize until you see a kid screw up like that. But yeah, maybe there's a reason that Will Sunderland couldn't get on the field after he yeah. had that interception against Texas last year. And I mean, it was obvious to us when we talked to Mike. We'd be like, "Hey, Mike, you know, you said after that Texas game you needed to get him on the field more," and he would say what coaches always say, which is, "Well, you know, you got to he's got to practice better if he's if he's going to get on the field." And they were like, ah, bullshit. Just put him on the field. It'll all work out. He's too talented. Players make plays. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think in Johnson or uh, in uh, Sunderland's case, case, you know, when you're going right, when you're supposed to be going left, it's, yeah. you, you can't overcome that. I mean, you can on Friday night, but you can't on Saturday. So, I, I mean, I think that was part of the deal with it. But he, it sounded like he was having a really good spring, too. Yeah, I thought he was coming around. So, it's it's – I think it's disappointing all the way around. It's disappointing for those of us that got to know him even before he got to OU, know his family. And I feel horrible for his dad because yeah. his dad, you know, if all this is true, his family he's not who his family thought he was. He's not the kid that they raised. Just a horrible, poor decision. Very. It's going to ruin, you know, ruin his life for a while. I mean, he might still end up in jail. Yeah. Very, very bad decision-making. Well, it's one of those deals. If anybody's thinking about stealing stuff out there, the difference between felony and misdemeanor is pretty cut and dry. They just do it by how much it's worth that you stole. And when you're loading up bags yeah. and taking it, my God. I mean, especially like a note for future criminals. If you're going to steal something, steal something good. Don't steal like a PS4. Go in and get some money. Okay, some this clothes. is not right. <laughs> 
You think you think two college freshman baseball players have a lot of money laying around? I mean, I guess that that's a possibility. A bunch of dip cans, probably. You could recycle them. <laughs> you just advocated stealing something worthwhile. <laughs> that's true. But <laughs> and you're, you're getting settled monetary. on dip cans. You're getting well. That that's the last thing. If if they don't have an Xbox console, you steal their dip cans. Because you can go sell them to high school kids. <laughs> yeah. 18. yeah, just fill them with, uh, refill them with sand and then like, <laughs> sell them for five bucks a pop at Norman North. Yeah, we just lost Josh. Hold on. Sure didn't just hang up. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Sunderland will find out. I mean, it doesn't look good, and that's going to leave a big hole in the secondary heading into fall camp. So I'm sure Mike Stoops will come up with some type of, and Kerry Cooks will come up with a plan of guys that they think could work there. Yeah, we'll see. Will Johnson, certainly a candidate with the experience. But, again, missed a lot of games last year with concussion, concussion issues. I don't know that you can trust that. And we'll see if they, they look at moving a Parnell Motley. Uh, or, you know, maybe they feel better about trying a, a Jordan Parker there. Uh, I think there's a lot of things up in the air that they could try there. And, and then try Stephen Parker back there. Yeah, I mean, if they feel like – really, yeah, I could see him playing Will Johnson at nickel – which I know people don't want to hear after the way he played last year, and move Stephen Parker back there. So, yeah, I, I think they'll try all kinds of things, but it's going to make camp interesting uh, trying to find that spot. All right, let's move on and talk about one of the big things that has really dominated our site in the last week, and that's recruiting. Lincoln Riley uh, having a chance to finally take over the reins. Uh, Shinzi wrote a story uh, this morning about uh, how kind of the – his office has become one of the big stars of the program right now. Uh, and we talked to Joe Castiglione the other day, and he was saying it's no longer going to be a problem if they have big recruiting weekends and they need to get 14 people in there at one time. Uh, Bob would kind of use his house if it got too big and, and kind of have that Sunday uh, meet up at his house and stuff when they had a, a whole lot of people come in, have families come out there. But Josh, just overall... Uh, Kind of talk about the comings and goings this week and, and, and what's made the biggest impression on you uh, in the world of Lincoln Riley as a recruiter this week. Well, you know, I kind of touched on it in the intro, and I think it's just a matter of all these visits being so publicized. It's not a deal where Oklahoma's just kind of guys come in and a guy like myself will hear about it and then it becomes news. It's, it's pretty clear that Oklahoma wants these guys to feel the attention from fans and feel all that stuff that we've talked about for years that some of Oklahoma's support staff and some of the people we would talk to would say, oh, man, we want all this kid to get a bunch of followers, no you fans to be tweeting at him all weekend and all that kind of stuff. And now you're seeing more of a, you know, it's clear and they're, they're kind of moving in that direction where, you know, like a guy like Spencer Radler, everybody knew he was there. Uh, Trevion Johnson, uh, tr excuse me, Travion Johnson, everyone knew he was there. You know, you go down that list, and it's making these events a bigger deal. And it's not coincidence that Oklahoma is seeing more and more immediate response from these guys when they visit. You know, Jalen Robinson leaves campus, announces that he's got a, a big announcement next Monday night. Trevion, uh, Trev I keep saying it wrong, Travion Johnson leaves, announces he's got a big, or a big announcement coming Sunday night. Uh, Spencer Radler has given some people the impression he may be coming to a decision. So there is just so much good that comes of that for Oklahoma because they make these visits a bigger deal. And, yeah, I mean, to, to touch on the story, 
every time a guy comes out of that office, they're like, I feel like that, was, you know, especially for the guys that had been there before, that had seen OU in its previous state, it's kind of like I felt like that was the entire athletic facility is now just Lincoln's office. Well, and I'm going to go uh... – I'm going to go taskmaster on you, Josh, because you just listed off a whole bunch of names and nobody knows who they are, <laughs> what year they are, what position they play, uh, unless they're just hardcore scoopers. Uh, now, Spencer Radler, 2019 quarterback, which I find funny because he's from Pinnacle High School, which OU, that was their practice facility uh, one year in the Fiesta Bowl. Mike Stoops was at Arizona because I remember him coming to practice and talking to him. I believe that was a year they played Boise State. I'm not sure. Uh, Pinnacle, yeah, they had the In-N-Out Burger right by it. Yeah, no, that was like, <laughs> that was heaven. I yeah. mean, that was like one of the best trips ever, uh, except for that you had to watch Boise State win a game and have a horrible post-game press conference, and that uh, dwarf, you know, that troll proposed to his girlfriend on the sideline. Oh. Oh. What was his name? Ian. Ian Johnson. Ian Johnson. Ian Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but. So Spencer Spencer Rattler, 2019 quarterback, right? And uh, a guy that's more of a dual threat, Josh, I'd say, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's in that six, you know, like we've got him listed at like 6'1", 170 or something, or six foot 170. I've heard talk that he's grown since that. He's more in the 6'2 range. And let me stop you real quick because that's what's cool about Lincoln Riley is he's a, he's a little taller than Bob. But he's legitimate quarterback height, so like when you see him standing up against Rattler, and Rattler is taller than he is, it's like okay, well you don't have to worry about that kid's height. Because I will admit, when you look at him on film, he looks a little squatty, just the way his his, his makeup is, his body is kind of shaped. But he's really not. He's not a you know a six foot guy. He's, he's he's taller than that. I think so too. And you know, we've had some people on the board saying, kind of like what you're talking about. Well, look at him next to Lincoln, uh, you know, add two inches to his height. Well, that's not exactly scientific, guys. I can't do it that way. I could see Lincoln, gotta, like, wearing, like, really low shoes, like, platform shoes or something. Probably will. After he listens <laughs> to this. <laughs> yeah, We're giving nine, him ideas. Like, yeah. nine sets of shoes in his office, whatever whatever we need. If he's got Ray a short... Walker's actually seven feet tall. Yeah, if he's got a short quarterback coming that day, he, he, he basically just doesn't put any shoes on. He puts yeah, socks like, on that look like shoes. Wears flats. Yeah. Or he takes a picture and the kid's on a curb and he's sitting down on the street, you know, something like that. <laughs> Didn't Mike do that with uh, Daly this year? He, like, stood on a curb. Oh, because he was so much taller? Yeah, I thought so. To make it look like yeah, he was shorter yeah. if, if other people saw the photo? I thought he did, and then, like, somebody, like, zoomed out the picture. It was like, <laughs> son of a bitch, you're standing on the curb. Yeah, but, I mean, what you're thinking is, well, okay, maybe these places that he hadn't visited yet, maybe this will they'll get off of him now. <laughs> if I if I I try to make it look like this quarterback's five foot two, yeah, that's no, that's exactly what you want to do. <laughs> we just sneak we, it in. Yeah, here, why just, don't you get down on your this, Riley? Why don't you get down on your knees and I'll stand on my desk and let's take this selfie. Yeah. You need to well, put this dress speaking on. Speaking of real. speaking, of how big that kid is? Did you see his number? He's going to be number sixteen. And all I could think of was Micaiah Quick and how much more massive he looks in that number than than Quick ever did. You know, it's the string bean corner receiver that he was for so long. All right, now, uh, the other guys you mentioned, let's, Josh, let's, let's talk positions and years, uh, the, the other three guys that you mentioned. Sure. So, like you said, with Rattler, 2019 quarterback, I think it's pretty clear Oklahoma has kind of set their sights on him to be that, their quarterback in that class. He's the guy they're really pushing on in 2019. And for those that don't know, 
2018 is almost in the rearview mirror as far as quarterback recruiting. You know, Oklahoma's right in the timeline they need to be. Did, uh, they brought in three 2020 quarterbacks in the last week. Is that right? Two. And two. two and both have an offer. A kid from uh, New Canaan, Connecticut, which, of course, is going to bring up all the Jonathan Moxon things that I could do with, uh, with headlines. So that'll be uh, oh, all I can God. do to contain when I interview him. Um, and also Drew Sanders he's, from They're from Dallas. West Canaan, um, though, Josh. What's that? They're from West Canaan. I hey I you know what if I can work in a varsity blues reference even loosely I'm going to take it so so first um, headline is I don't want your life exactly exactly <laughs> like that, that's going to be the thing if he rejects OU it's going to be I don't want your life that, that, that's going to be the story so, that's beautiful uh, actually I had totally I'm totally behind that headline uh, no um, and also Drew Sanders who is from the same high school as Dusty Dvorak Lake Dallas Uh-oh. so um, yeah yeah so there there is um, and he's a totally different the, the kid from West Canaan is like a 6'1 kid the Drew Sanders kid if it doesn't work out at quarterback there's a lot of talk he could play tight end defensive end I mean he's like 6'5 210 as a high school you know going into his sophomore year so he's a massive kid um, but anyway to the two kids, that the other kids I talked about, aside from Rattler uh, earlier, uh, Jalen Robinson, the uh, kind of slot receiver from Fort Worth, Pascal. Um, he's, you know, that 5'10", 170 return guy, uh, going to work him out in space, do a lot of the stuff, you know, spread stuff that we're all used to from uh, some of the smaller receivers. And then Travion Johnson, uh, the, uh, another 2018 receiver from Brenham, Texas, uh, that I actually had a chance to talk to this morning. And... You know, I think Oklahoma's in really good shape there. I think, you know, neither guy came out and said what their announcement uh, in the next week is going to be. I feel pretty strongly in both cases it's going to be a commitment, and I feel pretty strongly that they're both going to be for Oklahoma. So, Johnson, you know, I actually asked him what um, what OU had kind of told him, you know, where they saw his role being. And, you know, obviously some of it's sales pitch, but looking at him and kind of just physically matching him up, they said they told him they want to use him kind of like they used D.D. Westbrook. He, he's that kind. I don't know if he's got that kind of speed, but he's that kind of receiver. Very strong hands, going to be good in traffic. Um, it's just going to be a matter of if he can separate like D.D., which is what made him so special. Uh, okay, let me ask you this. You know, Lincoln Riley takes over. To me, it seems like it's pretty much stayed on script. I mean, that's kind of one of the, the advantages that they've had in the keeping the continuity but i mean the offers have pretty much gone out and it hasn't really had to deal i mean have, there haven't been a ton of like new offers going out just because lincoln's become head coach right well jalen robinson's one of the few examples he actually was he i think was oklahoma's second offer um of the lincoln riley era and the first one was a, a 2019 offensive lineman from uh, the fort worth area branson bragg but, yeah, Robinson's the first kind of 2018 guy that they immediately got in on. And I, I think it was just a matter of them making sure that he was truly interested because Jalen Robinson had been committed to Texas Tech at the time OU offered. He decommitted within, like, I want to say three or four days and then took a trip up to Oklahoma last week, and then it, it, it just kind of all started rolling uh, in Oklahoma's direction ever since then. And, uh, okay, we got to discuss this because uh, there's a lot of anticipation built up at the start of the week. Was it Monday morning when kind of all the boom stuff coming out, or was that over the weekend? I can't even it remember. It might have even been Sunday night. Sunday night. When it really kind of started 
and you know Patrick Fields was involved in it too and but you had coaches basically saying that you know hinting that it was going to be a multiple mm-hmm. boom day on oh, that, Monday. That was Monday morning. Okay, Monday morning. And so everybody kind of braced themselves for it. Uh and I think that was when Spencer Rattler was coming in, right? And he arrived Sunday afternoon. He like tweeted that he was going to be here Sunday morning. Arrived Sunday Sunday evening and then he took his visit on Monday. And so obviously uh, there was a delayed visit uh, that was supposed to happen that day, and it just kind of it. Well, let's just face it. It in everyone's eyes, it fizzled. But really, Josh, I think behind the scenes, everything is still. I guess you could speak to this. Everything's still on track to be a really good week. Oh, I don't. Basically, every commitment that I have heard is coming. I. I, I have very, very good reason. Maybe on the next podcast I can go into exactly why I'm confident, but I I fully expect these things to happen in the next week's time. Now, obviously, I thought it would all come down immediately. Uh, it didn't didn't exactly happen that way. You mentioned uh, uh, Travion Johnson was the guy that was everybody expected to show up in Norman and commit, and he had kind of said as much himself and then he left and kind of decided he wanted to do an announcement. So I think that's just, you know, it's kind of, well, did it happen today or did it happen five days from now? And does that really matter that much? So I think Oklahoma knows where they stand with the uh, with the three guys I've mentioned. So it's just a matter of that becoming, I guess, you want to say the, the public record in recruiting. One guy, I, I guess one guy that we do know about, though, is Tavion Thomas. I that kind of took me by surprise, Josh. Was it surprising to you that he went ahead and pulled the trigger? Or I guess just kind of out of nowhere for me is kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, you know, it was funny because when Oklahoma offered for the about the month or so beyond that, I want to say the offer was in March or April. I need to go back and look at it. It's, it's on our full offer breakdown thing. I've got the date written down. But uh for about a month after, you got the impression that Oklahoma was a very real contender, but that Ohio State was going to be really tough to beat just because of the fact that he's an in-state guy. They had been recruiting him for a while, and I think that was always everybody's expectation is that he was going to go to Ohio State. Well, something that I missed, and it was it was kind to- of in the middle of all that travel, um, was Master Teague, uh, the running back from Tennessee, who... God, you have to love that name, right? Master Teague. I mean, how would that not? That's just fantastic. But anyway, um, he uh, he committed to Ohio State on June 11th. Well, when that happened, it pretty much closed the door on Tavion Thomas. And I think Tavion decided, okay, I, I need to find somewhere to land. And he had a really good relationship with Jay Bolwer. And that's, that's what he ended up doing. I don't know that... Oklahoma would have lost anyway, but when Ohio State closed the door, I think Oklahoma just became the obvious choice for him. And I've talked to him several times. You know, we were, you know, we had an interview ready to run before he even announced it. Um, he was another one of those kids. I said, "Hey, I'm hearing something's coming," and that one, of course, the one that I didn't anticipate when I woke up in the morning is the one that actually happened. But um, with Tavion, I mean, he's he seems very locked in and really excited about everything. So. I, I think Oklahoma's in good shape to keep him, even though he is an Ohio, you know, kind of Big Ten region guy. The I guess the the only the natural question after that, Josh, would be, you know, where does Oklahoma stand with TJ Pledger? That that's the interesting question. And I think the mistake a lot of people are making, you know, I guess from 
from the people I talked to, because I, I did the same thing. I, I immediately assumed, well, how's TJ going to take that? Well, everything I had, I, I've heard since Tavion Thomas's commitment is that TJ's concerns have nothing to do with Tavion Thomas. He knew there was going to be another back in this class. Oklahoma always let him know. I don't think that was really his deal. I think since Bob resigned, there has been, or retired, sorry, um, there has been a feeling that of a lot of schools, particularly Nebraska, is, um, is really pushing him on the, well, it's not going to be the same. You know, Bob was a great coach. Now that you don't know what's going to happen with Lincoln Riley and all those sort of things. So I think that is more to do with what's going on. And I think the timing of his Nebraska visit this weekend is making everybody connect dots that really aren't there. I think it's more a matter of he's got several friends that are going to that Nebraska game. He's going to go up there with his mother. Nebraska was really thought to be a contender prior to uh, TJ committing to Oklahoma. But in the end of the day, I mean, he's got a great relationship with Jay Bulwer. They've been involved with him from the beginning. And unlike a lot of defensive guys who I could maybe understand saying, oh, let's, let's see what happens with Lincoln Riley, offensive guys should be over the moon because they already, most of them already knew Lincoln Riley. And TJ Pledger is very much one of those guys. He has been a very um, uh, a vocal supporter of Lincoln Riley's hiring. So I don't know that I fully understand why he's so, um, I guess, his trepidation about it. But at the same time, you know, he's taken a visit to Nebraska. You have to take that seriously. But his mom on Twitter today was kind of checking people who were trying to um, kind of make this a bigger deal maybe than it is. I, I thought that was really funny what she was tweeting people. I, I love it when parents are involved like that. Uh, okay, uh, so moving forward, Josh, I mean, I know kind of the is the next, I mean, kids are going to keep coming in and, and going out, but uh, I mean, the barbecue is still something that's going to be a, a really big deal here. Uh, that comes like the end of July. Is that kind of when, when the schedule is for that? July 29th will be the day. But that will be kind of, I would assume, pledger scheduled to come in for that too, right? Probably in Mama as well. Yes, and, I, and that's, that's the feeling that I got talking to several people is, you know, I, I don't think he's going to go to Nebraska and flip his commitment. Maybe he comes home and he says, okay, you know, I'm going to take some more trips. I'm going to look around. But if he comes to Oklahoma for that barbecue, the general feeling I get from everybody is that, okay, that if we can get him to that point, it's going to be okay. Because his mom, from everything I understand, mom is really on board with Oklahoma. She really likes the coaches. has developed a good relationship. And I think we've watched it so many times where Oklahoma lost out to a family member, where they had the kid maybe, but they didn't have mom or dad or, you know, God forbid, the uncle that nobody knew about kind of thing. Um, but I think in this case, they have the family member on their side. And I think TJ, as time goes on and kind of the newness of the change of Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley kind of wears off, I think it's going to be okay, and I, and I hate to throw out a shot here, but something I, I, I just staggers me about this thing is I certainly understand if the kid wanted to look around, but Nebraska, like Mike Riley, yeah, that has is bizarre. His, Mike Riley has as many conference titles as Lincoln Riley does. By the way, I was talking to <laughs> he takes his players to In and Out though. I was talking to uh, Sean Callahan, our Nebraska publisher, uh, about some things the last couple of days, and he was kind of telling me the story about. Uh, you know, Nebraska went down to A and M to like their camp, so they like treated A and M's own camp like a satellite camp. And 
who was the kid that just uh, committed to uh, to to Nebraska from uh, was it Manville? Uh, oh, uh, I can't remember yeah. if he was a linebacker or a DB. I think he was a, a he was a I'll DB. But Let's he committed see. over Texas A. He committed to Nebraska over Texas A and M. Oh, not from Manville. You're talking about Joshua Moore from Yoakum, the big receiver. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The receiver kid. Um, the Manville kid committed to A and M. I guess. Right, right, okay, right. Yeah. So um, anyway, I guess the Texas A and M coaches were like trying to hide him up in their offices or something <laughs> while Nebraska was there, and so the Nebraska coaches just called him and said, "Hey, come down here," and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome these these little uh satellite camps have caused quite the even though that like the buzz isn't about having them now it's about who's working with who to have them yeah well, like, i mean it, but it, i mean it I makes mean, no sense to for, let nebraska come it I mean, makes no sense for a&m to let nebraska no. i mean it's one thing if you're like Say you're OU in Alabama and you want to have some kind of satellite camp in Dallas. Yes, in that Texas. Makes, that, yeah. that makes sense. But if you're A&M, you don't want Nebraska coming. You don't no. want Nebraska coming coming into your deal? No. That's like so, that's like allowing a bunch of ugly guys to come into your sorority. And, like, you know, they wouldn't have a chance otherwise unless they were in the room with them. Well, it's all about the hierarchy. Like, OU does camps with – North Texas and Memphis. And Sam Houston State. Yeah, those schools are not going to recruit head to head with Oklahoma. It's not going to happen. So and they, they don't just have, have to, to deal with like Rutgers being overlap. there. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it, it makes sense. But AM and Nebraska, they're going to be recruiting the same players. I mean, and obviously, like you just mentioned with, uh, with Joshua Moore. So I, I don't ever, that, that to me is where it doesn't make sense. And the schools aren't really thinking about what's best for them rather than, you know, trying to just put on a huge camp and have all these kids there. Both of those schools are at a level of mediocrity that they, they deserve each other, Nebraska and Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, but you're right. That is so weird that Nebraska is the school that's, like, got T.J. Pledger's interest. I mean, it, I could see, like, Alabama. Okay, well. You oh, even USC. That. I mean, he's from Southern California. Like, okay, I get that. You know, that, that makes some sense. And they – they well, seem no, to be that makes the right even direction. less sense that he, he would a guy from Southern California goes to high school in Florida and now is looking at Nebraska. It would be the equivalent of like maybe since he's from the West Coast, like yeah, like if he was committed to USC but he was thinking about switching to Arizona. Well, guys, the, the thing that started this whole okay, he's going to flip to Nebraska this weekend. L- listen to this, and, and John's comment made me think of it. Okay, he's an Ohio State reporter covering a kid that grew up in Southern California plays his high school football in Florida, is committed to Oklahoma, and is visiting Nebraska. This Ohio State guy knows that it's something that nobody else in the country knows. Like, th- this is the stuff that crystal ball, like, I think it's a cool feature, but fans get so hung up on it. And I'm like, guys, there, there's like a point scoring system. If you guess first and you guess right, you get more points than everybody else and you get to look smarter when all the damn thing you were doing was guessing. Like, I, th- there's no way... That guy has a special insight into what is going on for TJ Pledger as compared to hundreds of other guys that have at least some connection to the storyline. All right. Uh, so, you know, outside wow. of that, what, what what's kind of your expectations for? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's some things out there, and like you said, we can't talk about them yet. Uh, so next week when we talk, there's probably going to be. Uh, Heck, go to Patrick Fields' Twitter account. I mean, he's not letting up on anything. <laughs> so uh, we know there's some things to come. 
does next week just kind of continue like this for the staff where they're just bringing guys in left and right? Well, no, because Monday starts the dead period. Oh, okay. So from the 26th to July 9th, Oklahoma can't host anybody. Now, you know, kids could show up and hang out, you know, kind of do the Emmett Gooden move where they show up and nobody's really there to host them. But So basically that, that, Monday, we that's the, that's the first time these coaches have had a chance to just get the hell out of here for a while. Yes, yes, that, that's the case. I mean, that, that's exactly what it is, and I know – Talking to a few people, there is definitely a a gonna be a ghost town feel to Norman for a, about a week to ten days there. Um, Good, I'll so yeah, go to the mall I mean, every day. Yeah, I mean, and you know what, guys, that kind of means we we get to breathe for a second. So that's that's exciting. Um, but no, the twenty sixth to the ninth, and then almost immediately they'll start having guys come in, and then before you know it, I mean, you're talking. You guys know it better than I do. You're talking Big Twelve media days. And then you just start rolling right into the season. Then Oklahoma start having guys on campus for two a day, or well, for fall practice, whatever you want to call it. All right. Uh, so recruiting will continue. Um, just wait for it. We think there's going to be some really big news coming. Uh, let's move on to kind of what Shin and I were working on this week. Uh, Board of Regents meeting up in Oklahoma City. Uh, Shin decided to try and kill me by walking up floor, four flights of stairs. <laughs> um, my defense, I didn't see the elevator there. I, I almost took it at floor two. <laughs> um, so anyway, we go up into the regents meeting and yeah, those are always kind of boring. I mean, let's mm-hmm. face it. They're, you know, the only thing that I like about the regents meetings is when you look at the, it takes you longer to read through the agenda than it does for them to get through it. Oh yeah, because they've already you know done. They just got to do their those four, you know those against kind of thing for each thing. So and we, literally in every one I've ever been to, I've never heard a nay ever. I don't think I have either. So we're just sitting there kind of waiting for it all to go through. They go into executive session to talk about salaries and stuff like that, uh, and then they come back in to announce it. Uh, but you know. I think Shin. I can't remember. Did we? You and I kind of talked about. It. I think we. We. But I thought it'd be somewhere between two point eight and three point one. You thought it'd be somewhere closer to three. I thought it. I. I was told it'd be between three and four, which the average of it turned out to be exactly between three and four. That's okay. With yeah, with the. I mean, he's three point one million his first year, uh, and he's a five year deal. So by the end of his contract, which I doubt this will happen either way. But if he if it all went according to what this first contract is, in his fifth year he would be making three point nine million dollars as right. the head coach of Oklahoma. And if he wins a national championship along the way, it's four twenty five. Now there are probably going to be bonuses for Big Twelve ch- titles. There and things will be like Big that. Twelve title bonuses. There will be AP College R bonuses. bonuses. There will be graduate. Yeah. I mean, they won't be very much, but I mean, there will probably be the potential of another. I would guess close to seven hundred grand worth of bonuses in there. Yeah, and that's something that we'll we'll uh, get through. His, you know, freedom of information. We'll get the contracts there. Uh, but the other thing was, you know, we were curious about Ruffin McNeil's contract, uh, and it ended up being I don't know, Shin, was it what you thought? Less, more? I it was more than I thought. Now from talk, you know, let's face it, Bob Stoops retiring freed up a lot of money. It did. Yeah, uh, and it was. It was kind of surprising that you would give a guy. I mean, Ruffick Neal got what an assistant head coach title. Yes. So, but assistant for, head coach. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but for a guy who's not calling plays, he he's got more money than probably anybody on that OU staff's ever gotten. But it, it's clear that he is Lincoln Riley. 
<laughs> thinks the world of him and views him as an absolute essential addition to that staff. It, is it wrong to say that Lincoln Riley probably took less to give Ruffin McNeil more? Oh, I bet Lincoln probably just took whatever he could get. I, I, mean, really? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. say that $500,000 is, is keeping a coach from making a whole lot. I think I would say that they gave Ruffin McNeil whatever they wanted because they wanted as much as... And Shin wrote about this. Lincoln had final say. He could have vetoed a guy on the staff yeah, if he wanted to. Uh, he certainly would have been dumb to veto Mike Stoops just from the fact, not because of performance, but because you don't want to install a brand-new defense in a month before <laughs> a season. Uh, but I think they were fine with it just be, And we didn't, you know, didn't really get in. And I don't think Joe would get into the specifics of this stuff. But I think they were going to give Ruffin whatever they want because that was the one coach where Lincoln could make his own hire. Like he could put his stamp on the staff. Uh, they probably knew, you know, going into it about what they were going to have to pay to get him to get him away from Virginia. But I don't think what 565 was that what it was five yeah somewhere yeah it, 560 560 mm-hmm. and a two year deal. I mm-hmm. mean I, I I don't think it had anything to do with Lincoln needing to take more or less money for that type of deal. And because as Shin said, they're saving a whole bunch of money. Yeah, I mean you go from a coach making about what was it's almost think, six million. Yeah. <laughs> just base. To to a guy making three. About and half of it. Yeah, that free that freed up a lot of money. And and the other deal is you were getting ready to pay your offensive coordinator one point three million a year next year and now you're actually that, getting a that discount. Freed yeah. all that up. So it, I mean they had they had a lot more money to give to assistants this go around. It really you look at it this way, Shin, uh they haven't named officially an offensive coordinator OU basically got a head coach for $1.8 million. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Because $1.3 was going to Lincoln. You're not having to rehire an offensive coordinator. You're bumping him up to 3.1. So I'm sure his agent would like to you know, have it portrayed that way. <laughs> and, and the other deals everybody needs to understand, like if OU goes out, wins the Big 12, and gets in the playoff, they will rip up this deal and start all over again next year. And he'll be closer to five. Yeah. Yes. And, but, you know, the other deals, we assume, you know, the 10th assistant you can hire in January. We all assume that's going to be a offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. But, and, you know, you'll probably need to free up 700 plus thousand dollars for that. But it shouldn't be a problem. The biggest raise of the day or, or the year comes from Bill Biedenbow, who gets a $110,000 mm-hmm. raise. I asked Joe after it was over, uh, is he going to you know be elevated in title or you know some, and and he said you know Lincoln may have an announcement on that, but whether he's going to be, I would say that it would be good for Lincoln Riley just to give him the title of offensive coordinator, even if you know Lincoln is still that guy. Yeah, I, I mean you you don't get the. OU's never done a deal like OSU did where you couldn't leave to take a you couldn't make a lateral move or anything like that. So if there's no reason not to do it, uh, because I, they they prefer stay bonuses instead of you know doing restrictions. Well, and they're also smart enough to know don't keep a guy around here that doesn't want to be here. Yeah, and it's but I, I mean I remember last year Kerry Cooks and Bill Beatenbow got their change in title right, right around right at media days I think they had them printed up in the mm-hmm. media guys they just they announced them right at the start of media days so uh, yeah what Castiglione told us that they probably you will see a change in title coming up probably within about a month uh, outside of that uh, Kale Gundy gets a two year contract he hadn't had that before so essentially you have one two three four Five coaches, Mike Stoops, Lincoln, uh, uh, Ruffin McNeil, Kale Gundy, Kerry Cooks, and Bill Biedenboe, all those guys have two-year deals, which 
uh, that that's a change in what OU has done in the past. And but the other de- they all expire after the 2018 season. So I, I mean nobody's nobody's stuck together. I, I guess I mean if if Lincoln Riley wants to make changes after this year, it shouldn't be a problem. Outside of that, uh, you know Jay Bulware got the biggest bump next to uh, Bill Beanboat, forty five thousand dollars. He he's up to four hundred thousand uh, dollars. Calvin Thibodeau. What do we take out of that? I mean, lowest salary on the staff, only a $20,000 increase. Least experienced out of that staff. Yeah. My, I, I mean, it, it, you know, when... How, but he's how, still a guy that was... Let's see, was his first... Josh, was his first full-time coaching job? Did he have to go from Houston to Tulsa? <sighs> I what what do you like, Dartmouth? Yeah, he was at Dartmouth. Dartmouth. That's right. Yeah. Yep. But he was that a was GA at Houston gig. for someone, right? I think that's right. Let's... I have to pull that up to be sure. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not trying to make you Google guy. No, no, no. That's that. Hey, at this point, you know, I just get to listen to you guys, so I get to be Google guy a little bit. Um, let's see. Yeah, he had one year at Dartmouth, and then let's see. Oh, he. St- I guess he started at Navarro. Actually, that's right. Um, I forgot about Navarro. I, I didn't know. I don't know that I even knew that. So yeah, he went to TU, and then from TU to uh, to Kansas, and then had that one year at Kansas, and you know. I know people get down on, on Thibodeau sometimes, but the the thing that people forget, the kid at Kansas that is going to be literally probably Kansas' first, second, third round draft choice in a long time is a kid that Calvin found and not a lot of people were excited about. They they really, he chased him hard, and then the kid ended up at Kansas, and I'm going to blank on his name now that I'm bragging on him, but he's a really, really good player. I think he's probably maybe the best defensive lineman in the conference. If you, I, I know I you're talking you about he's an interior Oboe guy, in right? Yeah, what is his name? He's from he's from North Shore in Houston, so I know I, I just can't place his name for some reason. But uh, you know, outside of that, you know, this is going to be a year. In, in like I said, Shin, you wrote about it. Riley had an opportunity to you know to veto a guy if he didn't want him, and, and I think Bob probably would have been respectful of that if it had been a position coach. But really, I mean, he hired he brought in Dennis Simmons. Mm-hmm. Kale Gundy's your recruiting coordinator, and and you really can't argue with his results there. And the defensive side of the ball, I just don't think that that's something that he probably wanted to mess with. No, I mean it's 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 like you say that's if maybe if it's January, maybe he thinks about it. But in June, you just you don't have time to 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 mess with that. The other deal is whoever you would go out and get probably has a signed contract with somebody else. So it's just it's just a bad time of the year if you want to start trying to really alter a staff. All right, uh, so, you know, as Josh said, things are going to kind of slow down a little bit. Uh, but you know, one of the things that happened in the the Regents meeting, and this is something that that I find kind of interesting, is you know they've got they're tearing down the. Uh, I, I went by there yesterday. They're they're starting to move out some of the double wides that served as their <laughs> locker rooms. Uh, it looks like a war zone over there. There's a trailer <laughs> that's like all the wheels have blown out on it, and the thing is like leaning over. Uh, I, it just looks terrible, but they'll get all that cleared out. Now, they did do something uh, of note at the Regents meeting, which is they've commissioned uh, an architecture firm to come up with a master plan for that northeast corner of Lindsay and Jenkins. And what we're, we're basically talking about where Bud Wilkinson dormitory is right, now. Right, right. And- and what they're going to do is is two things Joe mentioned. One is make a, a legitimate academic center for athletes to go for tutoring, uh, to you know 
have a place to work, study hall, things like that. Uh, and they want to make a space where letter winners can, you know, come in before games, mingle, have their own place. And I know, I remember talking to Joe Washington uh, out at Bob Stoops golf tournament one year. It was when they were announcing that they were going to, it was the, before they were getting ready to even uh, break ground on the South End Zone project. And he was very passionate about the fact that, you know, Ohio State had this really great setup for their former players where they could come in and they could actually even watch the game from, Mm -hmm. they had like a a varsity club. Uh, And he wanted OU to implement something like that. And I I, I think it just kind of was one of those things that didn't quite make the final cut. But I, I think Joe Washington's a guy that's been pushing for this a, a while to have some type of uh, facility that they can use, and it, I'm sure it'll be a multi-purpose thing where it, it serves other intre- you know, other uh, things during the, the the school year. But they want to have a place where the letter winners and lettermen can come uh, for the varsity O club and congregate and and hang around each other, and yeah, I mean, and that's good f- not just for you know uh, morale and things like that, but you get some people with some money that are former players. No, no doubt. And you also, there's people with a lot of money that want to go see former players. And yeah. if you can put them in that position, I mean, basically what Joe was describing was, and I'm sure we're talking about a multi-story building here was, you know, academic center, which they need right now. It's in the South end zone, but it's, it's, you know, they're kind of running out of yeah. space for that. And then, you know, a big banquet room, which, you know, for, you know, he was saying on Saturdays they could use it for the, you know, the varsity club, but, you know, they could find other uses for it throughout the week. Well, and I think the thing is, I mean, you think about, well, you know, why do you need to do that? So I'll give you a name, and he's unfortunately no longer with us, but like Jakey Sandifer. I mm-hmm. mean, he was huge. I mean, he's a, a oil guy that played for Bud Wilkinson, uh, you know, had a suite that he would invite the players to come to his suite, you know, during games. I know JD Reynolds was always. Uh, if he didn't get sideline passes for a game, he could go up to Jakey's suite, and I, I I would imagine that would probably continue with his family. But yeah, they still have it. They yeah, had, and when were the about one of the only independent people that had a suite on the press box side. Okay, and, and Jakey yeah. still kept that. So yeah. Well, and you know now you've got some new suites, and, and I know I got a question today about. Okay, so real quick, back to the the northeast corner there. I don't. I would assume that we're probably talking about just raising everything over there and just starting over. I mean, I, the Bud Wilkinson house no longer really fits in. No. On that, you know, in that area of campus. No, I, I think the only one they were ever talking about maybe keeping was, well, the dining hall where we would do press conferences at. Just because there's an old line in that stuff. If it has a kitchen, you don't tear it down. But I, you know, I. You know, we've seen with, look, oh, you redid all their locker rooms and football facilities in 2009. They tore all that down. Yeah. So you you just run into a deal. Is it cheaper just to tear it down and start all over than it is to try And they've to already torn stuff? down two, you know, two uh, living quarters side on each side of that. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine that whole spot's going to get raised. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of, uh, nobody's really shedding tears over, you know, there's no historical society... You know that's keeping them from knocking things down on a on on OU's campus. Well, you would talk to coaches, particularly the the probably the two or three years before they built Headington, and they just resented the hell out of that Bud Wilkinson dormitory compared yeah. to what other people had. And you know, it was you know when you brought a guy in to visit, let's let's try to keep this one in the dorm as short as possible. <laughs> so, and it was that way with every sport. So and and there's you know there's a reason why they want to put the academic center there because that stuff gets its most use when you're in your first two years at college. 
and it's right across the street from Headington Hall. I haven't even been like back in where like the old uh, OCCE building was or whatever. Like, you remember Schnellenberger would house them in that really shitty Sooner Hotel that was over there. I don't even. I don't know if that's even there anymore. I, I don't think it is. You, you, you're talking about the one on the far south side of campus? Yes. Across, uh-huh. And they'd make I, no, them walk not, to the it, stadium. It's from not there. a hotel anymore or whatever. I think it's just <laughs> office space now. But, yeah, there were some, some dark living quarter days. Josh Jarbo ruined the bud after his uh, rap video came out. And then he got in trouble. Never he been cursed the same. it. Never been the same. Gerald McCoy lived in the bud, I remember. Well, all, had, the, all those twenty nine guys or yeah. two thousand nine guys did, I guess. Well, you had to for you have to for your first two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at football and men's ba- football. I think men's basketball and women's basketball. You have to for two years, and then you can move out after that. I think the rest of them you have to live in it your first year. There, I mean, there's no doubt. There's there's we're gonna look back, and they're doing so much stuff now. I mean, baseball, softball, that corner there, and what I was getting to was you know people keep asking me, well, what about the West Side stands? It's funny. Sh- John, because, you know, every time you talk to Joe, they don't shy away from the fact of that's still, you know, something we want to do, but they're they're very honest, like, yeah, but there's not enough money to do it right no, now. No, well, I mean... And they don't want to waste time trying to raise money uh, while the economy is the way it is. Well, and the other deal is they did that south end zone on such a... Ex- to make sure nothing was closed for football season. Right, yeah. That, I mean, what it's going to cost to do that west side... I mean, just just think about it has to be done for those when of you the season that, ends till when it begins. It has to be finished. And yeah. those of you, well, I, I, or or you're giving up twenty thousand tickets or something like yeah. that. And they're they're never going to do that. And for those who don't who haven't been around on that west side, there's a mammoth parking garage right behind it that complicates everything. So I mean, it is a and they huge, took two seasons to do the south end zone. People mm-hmm. might forget that. But now I I don't think they'd have to do as much guts and stuff like that that they had to do on the south end zone because mm-hmm. you're not. I don't think you're building any team facilities in there. But it's still an enormous project, and it quite honestly, I don't think they're ever going to try to undertake it as a member of the Big Twelve Conference. I think it's gonna that will be something if they're moving to another conference, then they'll undertake it. And then you've also got the Blake Griffin, you know, basketball complex going on too. So. Yeah, which will be open, I think, by September. But I mean, you're not having to deal with anything around that. Yeah, all, all, it's being built in a parking lot, so it's not that. <laughs> it's it's not anywhere near the project that the football stadium stuff was. All right, uh, I I think that's probably good for today. Might be our our shortest podcast ever, but that's fine. We did like an hour and forty five minute podcast last week. It all looks really good. I'd, I'd check out those pictures that you took. I know they're on the board and, oh, yeah, and the stories and stuff, one. but that whole area, it's kind of like I was telling you last night, it's just completely different from... It's really bizarre just because they have that weird field, the oblong field or whatever, trapezoidal field, uh, and it, it, on the other side of it is where... They, you'll remember they used to have in the, the Switzer Center, they'd have the little courtyard area. And it had kind of a, a all Americans area. Mm-hmm. Well, they're bringing that back, but it's much more grand now, and it's got TV screens right there, which is I, I assume it'll be kind of like going into a museum. They'll just have some video presentations kind of on a loop. I yeah, I think they were going to put like all the trophies and stuff in front, weren't they? Like when well, you that's going to go in. That's inside. Though. Yeah, inside because it's going to have it's going to have a pond right there in the front. 
but it, that will be open all the time. So yeah, when they're practicing, I would assume they'll move they'll put the, guards the statues of Gomer Jones and Wilkinson and Switzer, and eventually Stoops. That would be a good idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want to leave them there while you're knocking basically everything around it down. <laughs> just, so. just, just bulldozing. Just got, <laughs> yeah. just got those. Uh, what do they call those little little cat walkers or whatever? Just just meandering through the trophies and accidentally knocking switcher's head off but that that stuff is a real big deal and i mean i've i've been to canton i've been to cooperstown i mean there's people that want to see hall of fame deals like that yeah and we'll pay to see stuff like that so i i mean i think that's kind of part of the plan here and that's i mean that's what ou wants is they want to have all those trophies on display as soon as you walk in those you know cathedral doors that you know the hall of champions or whatever they're calling it so I will be interested to see, you know, when it's open, how often you can go there. Uh, they always had a problem with the Switzer Center keeping it open because they were always having recruits coming in and out, and they didn't want a public. Mm-hmm. Uh, on game days, it would shut down because they they couldn't have the public interacting with recruits. So, but it's it's going to be a really cool deal, and it's just interesting because the the practice fields are all caged in, so like you can come in there and like, well, I wonder during practice if. You know, Lincoln Riley's going to be the kind of guy that puts tells a huge tarp up people that they can't walk. Well, I or, always joke with people like, if you ever been to Rome, like, <laughs> OU football is like the Vatican stuck inside of Rome. I mean, there's a big fence around all of it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how much that keeps up, but we don't know. Cutting eyeballs out. Uh, I don't know what what does that mean. If you see it, you got to cut your eyeballs out. If you see practice, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know think your that Catholic ways. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's a Catholic way. Okay. Uh, all right. Go to confession now. Josh, uh, we appreciate you and all your recruiting knowledge today. No yell sure. talking either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting uh, too sensitive to it now because I felt like I was yelling several times. I kept waiting to get called out. No, I didn't feel like there was any yell talking. Fantastic. I just called you out for. Acting like everybody knows what you're talking about all the time. Well, we I, do we think that's ever going to get cured, Carrie? I mean, you've been teaching me and talking to me about this for what? <laughs> I'm a horrible teacher. 12 years? That's okay, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Eddie, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Shinzi, thanks for being here. Uh, we do have a special going on. If you're, if you're not a subscriber... Uh, Go check out the site. Uh, I wish I could give you a link, but this is the deal. If you sign up, if you go ahead and get an annual uh, subscription with us, we're going to give you all the way till 2019. So the, basically, we're giving you almost six months extra for free uh, if you get a year subscription right now for Soonerscoop.com. Uh, and with the gang all here, I mean, I, I, I'm not usually one to brag, but we've been pumping out some pretty good shit, and we're going to keep pumping out some pretty good shit. So... Uh, it would behoove you to go ahead and sign up if you're not a member. Plus, you get to come talk to us on the uh, Crimson Corner. Although, the Shin thing, it's people keep trying to make a deal out of it. I'm just going to tell you, Shin's not really officially official probably until August. So stop complaining about how he's not on the boards 24-7. <laughs> We're going to work out a system. We're going to work with Shin to you know access the board and all that stuff and get an account. Um, and we're going to take it slow. So stop bitching about it. Every time I post a Shin article, it turns into a bunch of children 
where's Shin? Why can't Shin answer to this story? When you would never ask Shin a question about that story. In the, I write stories all the time. Nobody asks me detailed questions about the story after it's written. You're being a bunch of babies. If you have a problem with it, come catch these hands. I'll be at Campus Corner Friday night, 7 o'clock. <laughs> I'm, I'm just this kidding. I know someone. pitch from Eddie and Carrie. Uh, email me at Josh at Sooner Scoop for the subscription <laughs> offer. There you, go. Uh, there you uh, go. There you go. We'll let Josh handle it. <laughs> he knows not to let Eddie and I near the customers. Yeah, we don't <laughs> let you guys near new customers. They have to be. They, we have to have their money first before they can talk to you two. We'll be gentle. That's for their benefit, not ours. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, it's probably both, to be honest. Uh, any any order of business that anybody wants to bring up before we get out of here? Uh, no, I, I I'm sure that Shin and I guess everybody will be keeping an eye on the baseball stuff. The staff hasn't been put together or anything like that, but you guys uh, have some leads though. Yeah, yes. there's some ideas, and I think everybody's going to be very very happy. People are pissed that you won't say what the leads are we'll get it out there at some point i think everybody's gonna be pretty happy though with uh with everything that skip johnson is doing with the baseball program uh i wonder how many how many times bob stoops will play golf next week my guess is between four and seven and it won't be around here no it'll be some you know he'll be on like myrtle beach or somewhere like that well if he's back in town it'll probably be either ou or oak Oak tree national yeah once he wants to go to Tulsa, he'll go to Tulsa and go to Southern Hills. <laughs> yeah, he can do that now. He has the time. Bob Stoops, America's guest, and that's the thing. Like, what's going to be great for him is all these donors that wanted to get him out on the golf course. No, no they're not going to have a problem now. No, no. OU's paying him three hundred twenty-five grand a year to be golfer emeritus. Better get that handicap down, Bob. I want to see some real improvement. At the uh, celebrity would, golf tournament next year. If I were him, I'd just go to I'd go out to Paradise Valley this week. Start playing Scottsdale. They got a lot of courses Guys, out it's there. It's like 130 degrees. Uh, that's out true. There right that's now. true. Yeah, bad but, idea for me. There's a movement that needs to be pushed, and we've talked a little bit about it, but we've got to get Eddie thrown out of first pitch sometime at OU softball next year. That that needs to happen. The Natty's for Patty thing has to be. We need like a little just a perfect little bow on top of that whole relationship i was joking around with uh, a couple guys last night if they asked me to do it not only will i do it i'll do it in a full uniform underhand <laughs> in a women's <laughs> uniform yeah and it, absolutely i i have that i can do the pitch the underhand pitch i might even throw this a little a ri- i might even throw a little rise ball in there for him <laughs> get lauren chamberlain in there and maybe she can hit it we you should have the first first pitch that is against Lauren Chamberlain. Like, start a trend. Like, let her hit home runs off of, you know, well, she, she fat has been never worse. Yeah, I didn't even play high school baseball, and it'll be really embarrassing when I strike her out. <laughs> I, they, the thing about it is she did a first pitch for him, but she did a first hit, and she actually did hit a homer. I think that was last year. Uh, Eddie, I also should un- reveal this. Eddie, uh, Eddie was being a, a douche on Twitter today. It wasn't being a douche. That was a fact. Uh, I've been told... Uh, I got a text while we were recording this podcast. Uh, Eddie's going to be getting a call from noted, uh, noted uh, afternoon radio host. I won't answer. I don't, don't want to talk to him. I have nothing to say to him. 
Oh no. <laughs> I think you should talk to him. He's a piece of shit. I don't care about him. <laughs> He's not. He's just a man that has a huge ego. He wants to talk to you and explain the situation. I have nothing to say to him. Well then you can't be like that on Twitter if you're not gonna answer. I I've had to I've had to answer in the past. He can tweet me if he wants. He's not tweeting anyone. I think he's an egg somewhere. Nobody knows what his account is. That's fine. By the way, they've gotten rid of eggs. Did you notice that with the new Twitter? You're just a head now. It's like the old rivals profiles. It really is. <laughs> I don't have a wall around me. You live pretty close to him. Just like uh, you, Eddie, I think he's capable of burning people's houses down. No, he's not. Oh, I think he is. He doesn't have the intestinal fortitude. <laughs> and I know where he lives. My buddy's his neighbor. I literally know where he lives. So we can play that game if we want. I already know who Orange Factor is. Who's going to burn each other's houses down first? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that, but... You realize that you do have a potential radio career, right? Yeah, and I will dominate him. Take him down. Not on our airwaves. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. All right. I have no respect for him. You need to just stop. I have, there, I have co-workers, too. We can't just go around ripping everybody in the media. That's kind of what I do, though. Yeah. Blunt force object. Was... All right. You gonna rip anybody at any other stations? One that mm. maybe one that you go on a lot? No, I don't think I have anything to rip. Do I? Let's stop. We're gonna stop right here. <laughs> I like the website being able to get some uh, promotion every once in a while. Don't take that away. I've been to more press conferences in the last five or five days than he everybody has. In five years. has. Just a talking head. That's all he is. Your fire is extinguished for today. <laughs> all right. That's, that's, that, I'm glad we could get in some ass hattery before we ended the podcast today. John Shin, thank you very much. Eddie, I don't know that I'm going to thank you for today's work. Uh, Josh McQuistian, thank you, sir, for your knowledge and your not yell talking. That's going to do it for this edition. And thank you, Eddie. That's going to do it for this edition of the Unofficial 40. Until next time. Go check out the website, soonersgroup.com. We'll see you guys next time.